welcome back to Seattle Sucks, a podcast about hating the city we love. We're here on the boat again. Uh, Captain Greg is here, Brian Platt is here, and a very special guest, Christopher Peguero, who's running for City Council in District 2. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thanks. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. Um, a fan, <laughs> a, I think a mutual fan maybe, sort of set us up, but did some matchmaking on Twitter, and that's how... Sweet. Who was that? It was, I think, sh- uh, sh- they go by Teramaya ter- <laughs> as their handle, uh, and their their display name is Maya, so, uh, yeah. Thanks, Maya. Yeah, they said, have Christopher on the show, and I said, okay. I'll, I'll do that. A <laughs> <laughs> great story. <laughs> You were more reticent. You were like, I don't know about this. I had to do some like <laughs> research. Like, we gotta listen to the guys first. Like, uh, Seattle sucks. Well, yeah, but uh, is that a <laughs> good political place to stand on? Uh, okay, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turns out, when you think about it for a minute, um, yeah, you could campaign on that in this town and win. Yeah. Well, the fact that you were like reticent to do this interview is proof that you're a good decision maker. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, I'll ask my husband. Is, I don't know. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> like, Why are you doing this? Yeah. 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 This is my. Uh, the part of the format is now. Oh, this is, Greg, this is Greg's <laughs> rant corner. Can you tell some story about how he had to work this week, or how he's tired? No, no I was going to say this is where I derail the the <laughs> opening momentum Colin has built up to yeah. just. Um, this week I've decided I'm just going to talk about the the cheese spread. <laughs> this we've got like a soft blue here, which I recommend with these Ooh. Norwegian like crisp oh. seed bread. We are in the and, end. And this. Um, <laughs> And there's these are like um, banana bread cracker crispy things that I recommend with the um, herb goat cheese. And this is a a homemade um, pepper jelly from the Becks, actually. Wow. This is top okay. notch. Yeah. And, and and feel free to comment on massive size of the super yacht or the party going on upstairs that we can't hear. I, uh, you know, I did say when I walked in, like, who's the rich guy? Because man, this is. Top notch. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yes, I am a rich person. <laughs> it's just like the Daedalus, Warren Buffett's boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bigger, actually. But... Yeah. Oh, God. Don't upset <laughs> Well, he's got food in his mouth. He's chewing on that one. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so how's the, uh, how's the campaign trail yeah. been going? Uh, well, uh, uh, well, so I guess I wanted to start just like, you know, uh, I said it when we are kind of briefing like man the, the hard part about running a campaign is a biracial gay man with two little kids working full-time let's let's grab about working full-time like yeah. i you know uh, yeah no i love my job like and i hope my boss is hearing this like i love my job i do um no um it's just proof. <laughs> <laughs> no but this like this whole process is not made for someone like me or no, you know, for a, a working parent. Like it's 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 crazy, and I'm not bitching. Like I'm I'm incredibly privileged to be doing this, um, you know. But we we have to work. I mean, the 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 reality of the affordability uh, crisis in this city. Like there's just no way around it, and yeah. unless you're a millionaire, yeah. or you got you know big you know spendy pockets that are pushing your campaign, but. Uh, it's just not, you know, where we're from. So, um, and it's never been my experience in my life. So, um, hopefully, that's a benefit. I think from uh, having that experience and being like a real person, 
uh, and bring that lens to this work. So that's kind of yeah. It's it's good. We're ramping up. Um, I'm just kind of I'm I'm hoping that we like hit the. We're going up faster than we are right now. I feel like um, I'm doing a lot of work kind of uh, on my own. So I'm trying to build that base yeah. of support. So thank you for the time here. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and well, anyone yeah. listening, come door knock with me so I can get some help doing that. Oh, yeah. So we can meet people. But, um, well, you're but it's getting, fun. You're getting squeezed from both ends um, in that. As is life. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> um, because not only is there does our political system, it's totally oriented toward the wealthy and the way our whole system is organized makes it so basically the only people, for the most part, who can run are millionaires. Yeah. Um, people who don't have to work day to day for a living, who have not only their own personal resources, but a Rolodex of resources to call on. And we're seeing that even, you know, in these races in town here. And on the other, on the other end, it's not just that we have to work for a living in the society. Like, we have to work like dogs for a living in the society. Yeah. You don't have the space... There is another, obviously there's another um, political vision that where regular people, it was easier and more open for them to run. But there's another way, another kind of society where, like, you could have time outside of work to, and, and a community that you were reliant on for a lot of things like help with family and children mm, and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, cities aren't, aren't, aren't built like that anymore, so, like, no, you know, that's... No. If I go back to, like, Wisconsin, where I'm from, or I think about, like, my roots of, you know, Native American or, or you know, my deep roots of my, my Mexican side of the family, like, your aunties and uncles lived with you. Um, yeah. You know, we, you know, laws in this country were, were written primarily by white, wealthy people for that agenda. And so they determined, like, in the 50s and 60s, oh, this is what a nuclear family is. A nuclear is. family. And here's, like, who should be living in your house. If there's two new people living in your house, guess what? We're going to take your kids and put them in a school, like, mm -hmm. and then we're going to assimilate them and make them white. Like, but, yeah, it was real successful. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a particularly disgusting yeah. mm. uh, element of, like, nuclear family mid-century thinking. But, like, it's pretty much bankrupt from start yeah. to finish, yeah. the living in a... A garden beautiful development with like you know a housewife and two kids and, and a house and husband Come yeah on, man. right yeah. well I mean yeah everything everything about that that <coughs> is totally culturally bankrupt and it's it's one element or it's how we justified like destroying communities with capitalism but anyway. I, I like to say that like I want to build a family that is the nuclear bomb and the nuclear family oh, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. like I don't know. It's it's never done um, me any good. So and the vast majority of people any good, and that continues to be kind of the the center point of how we segregate each other and keep each other apart, and continue to kind of focus on um, greed and um, mm -hmm. you know this entitlement that I think is eating us alive. So I think that's yeah. that'll be the death of us: greed and entitlement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and the, and the thing has always been to look inward, right, as opposed to outward to community, right? Yeah. So all the way down to the nuclear family and yeah. keeping it all in the house, and which has been so good for all of us because we have such great family experiences. Yeah. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, and I mean, in going back to, you know, the sort of trials and tribulations of running, you know, and, you know, one of the progressive era, progressive era achievements was 
uh, actually like paying people to hold office like some amount other than token yeah. you know amounts of money. But the whole at the founding of the country, the idea was, well, you either don't pay elected officials or you give them the smallest like stipend possible, yeah. yeah. Because otherwise, you know, somebody who isn't a gentleman might <laughs> might run, right? You know, I mean, that, the, the, the language of the time, right? Because <laughs> holding office is for gentlemen, but you know, so we started paying like actual wages to yeah. to elected yeah. officials so they could do it as a job. But it sounds like from listening to you that. Uh, it's still really hard for like a regular person who doesn't have just a giant checkbook or an uncle to write him a check. Yeah, it's well, really just, hard to struggle to run for even city council. You don't right? yeah. start collecting that check until and unless yeah. you win. So you're talking yeah. about this well, massive and, investment of time. And, and I gotta you know? be real that you know the, the current position I'm in at the city, like uh, I'm the environmental equity advisor and I'm a strat advisor. I'm making pretty decent money. It's the first time in my life I've ever made a decent amount of money. So. Um, it's equivalent to, to that pay for um, city council position, mm -hmm. but um, to, to your point though, I mean, I still had to call my uh, brother-in-law and mm -hmm. say, "Hey, do you got twelve hundred bucks so I can file? I'll pay you back." Like, yeah. So I mean, if my husband and I were living in Wisconsin, making the money that we're making now, oh sure, we would have a couple acres. Like, but we, you know, we got a we got a house, so I'm like, we we have privilege. And I recognize that, um, but it's it's all relative, isn't it? Oh and, yeah, yeah. And the having kids too, like that's another piece of the puzzle. And having mm -hmm. a, a family, uh, having two kids in preschool in Seattle is, is equivalent to yeah. about three thousand dollars a month. It's, yeah. it's pretty oh significant. And so if you've got a house payment and you got kids in school, like we're becoming uh, a, a city of uh, that's really geared for wealthy only people. And, um, you know, I think it's impossible if you're making minimum wage right. to have a house, mm. oh, to yeah. have, go to kids, send your kids to school. Like, it, there's no way a minimum no. wage. At $15 an hour, like, the highest minimum wage in the, what is it? Like, there's another, where else in the, the country is there 15? Is it Maybe San Minneapolis? Yeah. Don't they have yeah. Yeah, but yeah, not a lot but, of places. But yeah. still, like we were yeah, that. Which in San Francisco, you also can't live on that yeah. either. No, yeah. no, yeah. no, but uh, so just FYI, like I'm drinking a beer, and so if I sound stupider than normal, then you know. Though just being nuts. being in this room with us actually yeah. makes we're it stupider. You. Yeah, it's, it's not a, true. It's a you collective energy. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's definitely part of the Seattle experience, right? Because you know. Being a transplant from South Texas, yeah, if I was making the money that I make here in South Texas, I would be literally the king of San Antonio. Like, I, would, I, would be, I would be ferried about on, like, a, a throne carried by... But, You're not here. But, yeah, but here I can barely rent a house. You know, barely, like, rent a place to live, right? You know? Uh, uh, and, well, you and, just have to know how to, like, game the system. You know how to find the angles and work them and live on a yacht like a Fucking prince of the sea. Well, <laughs> one of uh, Neptune's children. Oh my gosh, I was like, chicken in the sea. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, one of the interesting things in, in Seattle that's like been talked about in this election cycle nationally, which would be kind of curious to ask you about, is uh, democracy vouchers yeah. and like how maybe that has uh, helped out maybe a candidate like yourself yeah. or helped to even the playing field out as far as people being able to run. I think the most important part about democracy factories is I'm not, I'm beholden to potential constituents. Mm. I'm not beholden to Amazon or uh, Microsoft or a, another corporation. So and it also I have to get out and talk to folks and like like exchange ideas and say hey 
yeah, like there's a lot of people running into democracy vouchers and here's why I'm special um, or my ideas. Um, but I think it was designed so that a working parent or a, a person that that um, is not, again, a millionaire uh, can run on the system. The most interesting part, though, like uh, Erica C. Barnett's, she did the, um, the initial uh, analysis of people's net worth running, like the 55 people. Yeah. Out of the... There, 55 or 56 or however many, there's 15 multi-millionaires running, and mm. out of those 15, 12 are running on the Democracy Voucher Program. Um, so mm. <clears throat> I think that's a political issue as well, obviously, that you're, again, you're talking to people, regular people on the ground mm. in your district, and I think it, it gets people really involved. It's easy, too. Like, it's like, you know, it, it's, mm. it's not really your money, although you were taxed for it, sure. uh, but I want them all. But I think... Um, what I've been trying to do as I campaign is letting people know that um, I would like them all as a candidate, but you don't have to give them all to me. You can give them to several other people. You can give them give them out to folks in other districts. You don't have to give them all to me now. You can wait, but you only get one opportunity to write a name on there. If they don't make it to the primary, then then you don't get to redo. So, um, so I'm doing a little education and, and uh, for folks, but I. It's because I believe in the system and, again, flattening our democracy as much as possible mm. and getting that access to um, to everyday folks is, is really important. What's awesome about District 2 is all the, the candidates of color that all uh, are using the Democracy Voucher Program and we all qualified to use them. So that's been pretty cool. There's a study by some students from Georgetown that came in and, and asked them about the program. And one thing that followed up with them was, I, I think our last mayoral election would have had an extremely different outcome mm. had democracy vouchers has been used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we would be saying uh, Mayor Oliver instead mm-hmm. of Mayor Durkin. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a real possibility. Who um, is also one of the richest people in the city. Oh, she's wealthy. Yeah. So um, I, I think it, it, it evens the playing field, but at the same time, <clears throat> there's a political connection to it. Like, if you use it, then it, it says something about your values. But I think we need to... Yes, it does, but at the same time, and that's important... At the same time, I think uh, if you got resources, man, use them. And you know, um, I you know, we can't say because you're a millionaire, you can't use it. Um, mm-hmm. it. It's available to everybody, but it does bring more people in. And I think probably why we we have so many people in this this cycle. Yeah, for sure. So, well, it does. It seems like it opens the playing field without uh, necessarily <laughs> evening it, because as yeah, we've seen, true. right? Like yeah. we've got a bunch of people running who probably wouldn't be running mm-hmm. um, because they don't have that deep rolodex of people to call on. I, who are yeah. using this? But at the same time, do you do you have a deep no, Rolodex of millionaires? Uh, <laughs> not millionaires, but like all you know, all people of color and all the queer people. Like that's my Rolodex. Hell yeah! Uh, yeah. See, that's that, but that's like democracy <laughs> you're talking about. I'm talking no, about like no. I'm being sarcastic. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like that's called tokenism. Well, well, the, yeah. The thing is, is that you know, for you know, working class candidate or something like that, you know, like. You're a working class guy like me, you don't know millionaires, right? Because you only know other idiots. So, <laughs> you know? And I think that uh, the democracy voucher thing I think is really nice because, you know, you say, you know, it's it's not your money or whatever. And I think that, that you know, the conservative complaint is like uh, people should reach into their own wallet. But for most people in the city, like, there's nothing in your own wallet. Like, you know, yeah. because you pay $3,000 a month in preschool because you are paying, you know, $2,000 a month in rent, right? Yeah. And all this kind yeah. of stuff. And I mean, and it's just shocking how quickly the, the money is gone. Yeah. And, and yeah. so, 
uh, <clears throat> that's one way where the, just the cost of the city disenfranchises. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of people, and and it, lots of people in this the system can help maybe give them a little bit of a voice back, since I guess money is the voice in politics. So, the, yeah. you know. Interesting part. We uh, we have a lot of democracy vouchers sitting out there yet. So mm -hmm. if you have a democracy voucher and want to use your democracy voucher, I'm looking for your democracy voucher. So I'm about halfway there to the limit for this cycle, and uh, we nice. need we need money so we can pay our our campaign consultant, get literature out there. Um, so yeah, send them all. Send them Please, all. I need your democracy. Can voucher. they be exchanged for goods and services? <laughs> Come on, no, no, I cannot. That like, would be illegal. Can we, can we, can we, can we, are they scalpable? You know, <laughs> you know. Well, so, so that's exactly what they did in Russia, by the way, in the early nineties. Right, right. Was they they hand out democracy vouchers, but they handed out these like. Uh, Token amounts that you could invest in companies. Yeah, with. or that you owned of the comp the factory yeah. you worked for. Yeah, under the and then Soviet yeah, system. so oligarchs could give you like a dollar for every ten dollars and whatever because everyone's like dead broke. So that, that's our future Mad Max so world. <laughs> yeah, 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 basically, yeah. I think that the uh, whole point is to like avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I, I don't think Seattle's quite reached 1992 level Russia yet. So, <laughs> yeah, we're close. yeah, we're not it's living in like close. burnt out crash planes yet. Uh, the 737 Maxes could be yeah, future homes. <laughs> but, yeah, just, uh, actually, yeah, they're, they're not the burnt out husks, just the ones they're never going to sell. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, give, it, give it to a hipster that's got some money, they'll turn it into something really cool. So, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, that's yeah. the only, I mean, there's only one level cooler than me. Um, and that's the guy who lives on a plane. Okay. I think that's a false dichotomy. Uh, now, the thing is, uh, you know, you think boat maintenance is expensive. Try to keep a plane flying. Well, see, I, the point, I, if you're living in flying. it, I don't know if it's flying. Yeah, then it doesn't count. Then you it doesn't count. Then you're just living in trash. Then you're living in discarded trash. I'm living in a vessel that is licensed, and I could sail to Hawaii on this tomorrow. Okay. I mean, I couldn't personally. Greg, Greg, could you? <laughs> could you? Uh, I mean, I, I'm not... <laughs> and it walks I'm back. not yet it a strong back. sailor, and if you wanted to be, like, really safe about it, you it. might want to make a couple of small, like, changes and upgrades, because this isn't really... But yeah, you could, you could. Have you taken this out? Oh, yeah. Have you? Like, yeah, how far have you gone? Uh, me, personally... Just out on the lakes here. Okay. Um, but I'm still like I'm building up. This summer is going to be a big, big sailing summer. You know, for you know why they call it the boom, right? No. It hits you in the head. Yeah, it, that, it probably yeah. does. I have one of those. I have not been <laughs> hit by it yet. I also haven't fallen off or slipped uh, into the water. Well, even this like, afternoon. Walks through yeah, the yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, like the marina, it's just all these like you know, basically little like narrow docks you're walking along and I now I'm I've been here for like a year and a half so I just do it aimlessly like looking at my phone so at some point I'm probably gonna just walk slip right knock my head on the side of my boat unconscious and, and drown but whatever anyway cool end of podcast <laughs> yeah. it's done forever yeah, yeah. thanks man so, on that note so if, like, if this podcast is ever late you'll know that's because Greg is at the bottom of the marina <laughs> me out of the canal and no you should not continue on after i'm dead um <laughs> see legacy legacy so um but let's talk about some of the reasons you're running in your district specifically you know so district two this is like uh southeasterly yep. yeah uh, so beacon hill yep. 
Columbia and City, Mount Baker, Rainier Valley, Chinatown. He's got the internet over there. Yeah. And there's, I mean, that's, <laughs> nah, he that's has just, a savant that's, knowledge. That's, that's <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't let me talk. I just, whenever a, a fact needs to come out. <laughs> that's, that's when I the computer when I, turns on. When I was listening to the show, I didn't know that. So now it's good that all your listeners know that. Like, yeah. no, that's not actually true. <laughs> Probably the dumbest one. There, there are, type fast. <laughs> there are many, uh, many neighborhoods that I didn't mention that were in there because I think as you mentioned on Jason's show uh, it's the biggest district yeah. in Seattle yeah yeah largest district it's the most economically yep. racially ethnically diverse we have the highest number of union membership in our district oh, wow. That's um, awesome. we had the privilege we bought when we first bought a house it was in 2010 and uh, I remember almost falling over for the amount we decided to buy the house for and now there's just, we would not be able to buy a house in the city. Anyways, we left and uh, after selling that house and we said, whatever we can do to come back to Beacon Hill, to mm -hmm. Union District 2, like we have to come back and raise our family there. I had been in Seattle for 10 years prior to moving to Beacon Hill. And I think I was homesick one day. This is going to be a true confessional. Uh, so hopefully my boss isn't listening. Um, so uh, I went up to the Station Coffee House um, near El Centro de, de la Raza, and um, um, Roberto Maestas was still alive, and um, I didn't know who he was at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was outside with a bunch of buddies, and um, they were just razzing me like my, my uncles and my dad mm -hmm. used to do. And I'm like, and there was a, a young couple that walked by. It was a queer couple. Um, multiracial queer couple, an elderly Asian couple that walked by, and here I'm with my dog at a coffee shop, and Roberto Maestas and his guys are like, give me shit. Like, my, my family, I'm like, 10 years it's taken me to find my home in Seattle. And and huh. uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, whatever, wherever I ever, you know, whatever the path is, like, we got to stay here in this part of the city. Because I lived on Queen Anne, I lived on Capitol Hill, mm -hmm. um, but I never, ever really felt at home. I would... <clears throat> Get on the bus on Queen Anne, and no one would sit next to me because I was too dark. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, so sorry, Queen Anne, but you know, it's real. Fuck, we know um, it's real. Come on, you know, um, <laughs> they know it's real. That's where we are right now. Uh, well, actually, just off the coast of Queen Anne by about 35 <laughs> feet. It's waterfront. Uh, yeah. Well, fun, funny Queen Anne story. I was when I first moved here. I was working construction. Yeah. And we were building this condo out in Queen Anne, and me and this other guy were digging a ditch. And there's this old, this old like black construction worker, right? And we're digging this ditch, and this white guy from Queen Anne is like cycling by, starts complaining to us about the condo, and it's like. It's obstructing the views of the condos behind it or whatever and all this kind of shit. And he's going on and this old construction worker I'm with just looks at it. It's the funniest thing in the world. Just looks straight in the eyes. He's like, look, man, let me tell you something about construction. If you see two guys digging a ditch, they're not in charge. Whoa. Oh, the guy was just like so confused. He just laughed. But like, I mean, what? 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 I, I thought I was gonna die. I was like, just bury me in this. Why ditch. is just a friend of yours not a host of, of this podcast? Can we stitch you for him. Yeah. It's too funny. <laughs> too funny for the show. You're, you're willing to trade up, huh? <laughs> yeah. That was better than anything you've ever said. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Good story. That was good story. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> no, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to go. I mean, we could go like deeply on like the racial like mm -hmm. this and segregation reality of living in Seattle, but, like, you know, we're this super liberal city, but, mm -hmm. you know, my experience hasn't been so super liberal. Like, yeah. Um, it's a lot, of, a lot of talk, but, um, yeah. I mean, 
initially when I moved here, I was completely unaware, I think, of a lot of it because, man, I came from Wisconsin, so anything outside of Wisconsin was sure. hella liberal, especially for a, mm-hmm. a queer biracial guy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't going to be camping in the woods um, anytime mm-hmm. soon in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but um, there was some uh, autonomy, anonymity that I was able to, to uh, live. But seriously, though, it was just weird. Like, Mm. The one of the most diverse places I'd lived at in my life, yet still so much work to do. Um, when I started at the city of Seattle, like that was the most mm. diverse employer that I'd ever had, like racially diverse employer I'd ever had. And we had a, a race and social justice initiative, which I'm like, holy fuck, like we're really doing some civil rights work, like we're we're mm. radical. And then then you're in it for a while. I'm like, oh shit, we got a lot of work to do still. Yeah, so, that's what like, it says on the. Was the seal of the city it says a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> shit, shit, we got a lot of work. Shit, to we do. got a lot of work to do. Uh, uh. The realization I kind of made this week was whiteness or proximity to whiteness mm. and wealth is a huge blinder uh, to like understanding, undoing racism, undoing institutional racism, understanding like how do we, un- you know, how do we mitigate gentrification displacement how do we mitigate disparity mm-hmm. like if you've got those blinders on like everything's good like i, I got nothing sure. to worry about yeah and my my husband and i um oh, sorry anthony i'm gonna bring you up um <laughs> without asking um when, when we had a three-day conversation about white privilege and mm-hmm. for him as a gay white man who had deep experience of poverty like he couldn't see it like i don't his answer was i don't get white privilege like that sure. doesn't exist like i've experienced poverty my entire life i've been i've experienced homophobia my entire life and i i broke it down to him this way i'm like so here's here's the simplicity around it your last name my last name we go get a home loan i'll get a different interest rate because of my last name alone yeah Mm -hmm. nothing else and so that system is fucked up and is a foot of oppression and then you talk about school you talk about the criminal justice system. You talk yeah. about a city government. All these different layers yeah. are, are deep, deep into systemic oppression and racism. And until we start unraveling those pieces, we can't see a, a difference or an equality, uh, not equality, an equity mm. uh, between his last name and my last name yeah. and what interest rate we get. Like, that's simple. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. it's all fucking tied together, well, you know? That's so. why, unless you have <coughs> an analysis that includes all of that, the race, but and everything else, yep. like it's you're not yep. really getting anywhere. Yep. And Seattle Where does we have totally off topic. Like shit. Sorry. No. Hey, oh, that's the name of the show. Okay. <laughs> off topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. yeah totally. Um, <laughs> leads us out into deep water, and then uh, uh, jumps and abandons. Off. Yeah. yeah, abandons you there. Yeah, yeah I interrupted I mean, your your thoughts. No, um, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it's not, it's not a, it comes and goes. No, but um. If uh, but Seattle, like obviously the whole entire country is blind to our oh, yeah, like totally, structural totally, white supremacy. Totally. Seattle is blind to it in this very special hyper liberal way, you know that you're taught, you know that is just like super. It's its own like unique. Uh, they, they can't blend. see my eye roll. Well, yeah. well, but let's be serious. I mean, like the reason why a lot of people in the city are blind to it is because ultimately these structures that you're talking about help their bottom line, right? Yeah. So how does gentrification hurt, like, say, communities of color? A lot of people yeah. are blind to it because it's helping their home value. And, yeah. And, well, and it's, so this whole system it is, here is, you know, like, yeah. you know, the American dream was we would all retire. Mm-hmm. We would all have computers and, like, fucking robots, mm-hmm. like, taking care of everything. We'd have, like, vacation, mm-hmm. like, 
365 days out of the year, right? Yeah. That was the American dream. Yeah, now you just have it for a day out of the year. <laughs> uh, if you're lucky, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, so the reality is in this country, income disparity, wage disparity, like the 1%, like, which is like, you know, like they've got control of everything. So like mm-hmm. that huge disparity and who has what and who doesn't and and those folks who don't growing continually um i think that promise like so many people realize that really getting to that promise of the american dream is so Mm -hmm. far away from reality Mm -hmm. and the only way that you can get there historically since our housing policy in this country was developed Mm -hmm. was a certain few will get there but it will be be based on the home that you own and your access to build equity within that home Mm -hmm. so we've had hyper hyper equity like uh Mm -hmm. growth in this city that that's like our golden ticket. Everyone's won the fucking lottery here. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you bought if a you home, the home. Yeah, yeah. If you bought a home and yeah. you can still afford it, right. and the property taxes have not priced you out. Yeah. So, yeah. fuck yeah, I'm going to like, that's my bread and butter when mm-hmm. I retire because then I can go to Mexico or I can go to Canada or mm-hmm. like wherever the fuck I want to go that um, everyone looks like me. Or, well, maybe not Mexico. Well, me, but y'all. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> well, that's like what these like Magnolia homeowners who. Like like Colin, who um, get home. Colin, yes, is a also a filthy homeowner. Um, It took the death of my father-in-law to get. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Um, (laughs) Did you guys fight for the home? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this is what they're all. These are all people who, like you said, won this lottery over the last decades. Saw out of just their own where they came from, the advantages they had, and a little bit of dumb luck were had bought houses. And were white. Yeah. Right, yeah, including yeah. being white. <laughs> that was the dumb luck that got them into the house. Yeah, so. that was the first yeah. bit of dumb luck. Yeah. Um, and then now they're like, they see um, someone who looks like they might not have three bathrooms to choose from in the morning walking down their street or in a nearby park and they're immediately thinking this could slightly threaten this pot of gold uh, that built like grew up under me out of no like action of my own you know and that's terrifies them like i think maybe like draw this conversation to to homelessness and the issue of homelessness yeah. here and to kind of like draw this out a little bit further is that yeah when you talk about this sort of systemic inequality that was created through like the structure of how homes were awarded in, yep. this, in this country and stuff like that particularly in the post-war period uh, it wasn't just that like a certain group of people exclusively yeah. Yeah. got access to homes but they were given access to homes with I mean pretty much the express agreement that they would turn their backs on we, large we, portions of people we, right? we, like, we redlined yeah. portions of the city and that banking system, uh, the home loan system, through a banking process like what I just talked about with my mm-hmm. last name, which continues, um, so predatory lending and all those other things, mm-hmm. it's based on arbitrary data, mm-hmm. yeah. based on those other systemic issues that are roots of poverty, right? So mm-hmm. if you come from a demographic that might experience poverty more, yeah. then you're going to get a number assigned to you, <clears throat> and then that's, you know, we want to keep the... Those folks out because they'll bring our home values down. So we actively did that through redlining. Um, Ship Canal, mm-hmm. which we're sitting on right now, yeah. people of color could not be north of Ship Canal in mm-hmm. Seattle after sunset. Mm-hmm. Even if you were working for someone up in the north, yeah. that racial history of, of, mm-hmm. of this city and multiple cities in the United States continues to ripple, have ripple effects right now. And yeah. so every 
thing has stemmed from that racial mm-hmm. segregation and housing policy. And, you know, we have to undo that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get too radical because I will never get uh, elected in this city. But, like, I'll, I'll give examples mm-hmm. of places that have really talked about that. I mean, Minneapolis uh, mm-hmm. illuminating all zones. Every zone is a multifamily zone. Like, we're going to look at all housing options because we recognize the the racial history of segregation uh, and we want to undo that. And we want to be a city that's progressive and everyone has the opportunity to start at the same starting line. So I think those are great examples. Let's see how that goes. Like if they're, mm-hmm. if they're doing some great stuff in Minneapolis that, that we haven't even had a, a, because of our sensitivity of that big lottery win, like we have to really talk about successful ways of doing that. So here's the other thing, like, you know, remember, uh, and I mentioned this on the other podcast I was on recently mm-hmm. about like um, the, what was the Sandra Bullock movie? Bird Box? Uh, Bird Box. Yeah, yeah, so like, uh, I won't say their name yet unless you want to. Um, no, go for it. So yeah, Six Channel put out that post on me with, you know, from the, the scene from Bird Box where the guys pulling, you know, trying to open mm-hmm. the girl woman's eyes um, mm-hmm. to see the demon and bad mm-hmm. stuff. Well, that's my freaking job, man. That's like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to open people's eyes to what racial disparity looks like, those systems of oppression. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, very much that, that that's my job. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, and I think, you, yeah, your job, <laughs> yeah, your job is to show those things, right? And I think the idea is that the way home policy has worked in the United States is we've created a sort of, it, it creates a learned callousness yeah, towards yeah. other people, right? You know, so if you're white and you fly and you flee to the <laughs> suburbs, you get a learned callousness towards those that get left behind the city so you can oh. let them rot, right? And then when you want to come back and gentrify the city, because you're so concerned about your home value, you now have this learned callousness towards... Yep. You look at a homeless person and you don't see somebody who is living in, like, absolute you know, deprivation in the richest country that's yep. ever existed, yep. you see an impediment to your future accumulation yep. of wealth, and that leads to uh, wanting, I don't know, uh, this is just a complete hypothetical, uh, to put a concentration camp on McNeil Island mm. to uh, forcibly put them in. That, no one said that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not broadcast on the news here all the time. Um, <laughs> I, I remember yeah, my point. My point was, uh, like, so yeah. one of the things that I've I've realized um, around our campaign and what I like the perspective I want to bring is whether it's Amazon or Microsoft or the well, white wealthy homeowners we're talking about, like expressing to you, actually, it's within your best interest. Like you're maybe not in the short game, but in the long game, mm-hmm. if we can provide housing to people, we can get people off of the streets. There are, what, 12,200 people living on the streets. The reason why why we have trash everywhere is because we don't have a way to collect people's stuff. If we have encampments for folks that are sanctioned by the city, that provides trash pickup, that provides um, access to toilets, Mm -hmm. that provides a a connection point to uh, drug and alcohol and other mental health counseling and job counseling. Like, if we start addressing the the basic fucking human need around... Mm -hmm you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like, then we can start talking to someone about mm-hmm. their drug addiction or the lack of housing or whatever is the impediment for them uh, to finding permanent housing. But until that happens, we can't, we can't have that conversation. My, and I'm bringing up another, an, uh, my brother, um, he's experienced both uh, the criminal justice system at, uh, as a, a brown kid living in green bay wisconsin and he's been in and out of that system he's 
He's had addiction issues. And the last thing that I can do is tell him that he needs to stop doing whatever he's doing or that he needs to do something mm -hmm. at all. Like, he's a freaking adult. Like, um, and we don't have mandatory, like, you're going to go to jail. Three nights in jail, two nights in the hospital is more expensive than a full year of housing through our system. Yeah. I mean, that... For that to be an option, like a, a, a higher priority is an option than just freaking housing people, that is astounding to me. That that shows the 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 lack of knowledge. And I'm like, I'm not an expert. I haven't done. Um, this is not my profession, like yet. Like I wanted, mm -hmm. I wanted to be my profession, but my my profession has been environmental equity, environmental justice, like the race and social justice work, um, LGBTQ equity work. But in what I've learned through just talking to people. And in hearing from people experiencing um, homelessness, this is what they're telling me, and, and it, it's just some basic research. I mean, it's it's not super hard to like find some answers. It's just coordinating that you know it's not this, you know, corporations aren't profiting from the solution. Yeah. Our our power structure that is unequal within the county and the city are not benefiting from finding the solution. I don't want to benefit from finding the solution. The solution um, needs to happen because it's the right fucking thing to do. Yeah. You know, right? So, yeah, nothing incentivizes people to do things because of the high. humanity of it. I'm warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it is heating up. We've, we've actually shut all the doors. We've turned it into the hot box now. <laughs> There's now the hot corner of, uh, it's part of the interrogation. And all these hot takes, too. I yeah, guess. the hot takes are, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's like, you say, like, providing for people's basic hierarchy of needs, making a first emergency solution to people's needs right now, like, Getting somewhere for them to be, somewhere for them to use a toilet, somewhere yep. for them to to go through their human life while they're in this emergency situation would seem to address the complaints yeah, of absolutely. reactionary Seattle of yeah, like all the needles on the and yeah, trash on the street yeah. and all this stuff. But but then you confront this other thing, which is you you address their like deep like fear that society is declining and crumbling around them. But the second you do that you awaken a much deeper it's, fear, it's moral, which is exactly moral that. Fear. This like, moral fear I mean, of perverse incentives, it. of of giving people, if, yeah, you know, the raw, like... Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Of giving people yeah. uh, something, that, if of not, of taking away the stick that makes everyone, like, the be a good human, so good. you know? The stick's yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. working really well. Well, and Greg... The thing, though, with that is Freattle is very real in that if you go to any city in America, homeless people don't exist. They only exist here, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, so, you know, so, uh, well, if, I, if I go to, like, the south where they hit them with the stick d just literally as they walk by, <laughs> homeless people don't exist, right? I mean, I mean, this is the funny part about the whole thing is it's, it's this deliberate ignoring of the reality. It's not, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but you still have to confront uh, it somehow. Yeah. Yeah, or, I, beat, I think, or just beat it. Well, I, I think uh, when it, when that argument starts to break down is when we say, as you said, every city on the West Coast, every mm -hmm. every city yeah, is in experiencing this. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and it, it's not, I mean, there's a mixture of local issues, local policies, definitely, but there's also a huge historical uh, disinvestment from our federal level. So I think yeah. that's the other piece of it. Um, and so, like... It's I, ultimately a national issue. The, the, the solution, part of the solution is the city, but mm -hmm. it's part oh, yeah. of the solution. And so there's many other systemic things that need to take place for this to write, it, write the course. But one of the most impactful thing, things that we can do is right now, immediately, and that's to house people. Like, we... Yeah. 
housing first mm-hmm. on pro safe injection site. Like, mm-hmm. if anything that we can do to to make sure that people have access to resources, number one, number two, that you know they're they're not ODing in a bathroom and asphyxiating on their vomit. If you have access there and people are supervised until we get to the point where we can get them uh, resources to um, when they're ready to to address their addiction issues or other things like the, and again reminder that only thirty thirty percent ish of homeless folks are experiencing uh, addiction. But like I want to, what's the percentage of people that are housed that are experiencing yeah. addiction? Yeah. Um, if we look at uh, overdose um, rates, eighty. Six percent of mm-hmm. people that that die from uh, overdose are coming from a house house situation. It's not our, our our homeless folks. So I think, and the other piece too, like from my experience with family members that have experienced addiction in their life, there's a traumatic experience that they've had at some point that they haven't dealt with, right? And mm-hmm. so we have to get to a point where we can house people. We can give them counseling to deal with whatever trauma. Everyone's experienced trauma. I've sure. experienced trauma in my life. How we react to trauma as a, as a human being is, is a personal journey everyone takes. Some people end up in an addictive place. Part of that is because our health insurance and, and benefits is so freaking expensive that we can't mm-hmm. get counseling or get access to SSRIs or other um, therapies, drug therapies mm-hmm. that are legal, right? So people self-medicate to deal with those things. So those those are all like feedback loops. And so understanding the point of where those feedback loops start and addressing those issues there is how we start addressing the larger issues. So rant. No, no, that's, that's what, good. That's why this show exists. Um, <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to get into that you mentioned before in some of your materials is um, restorative justice. Yeah. So tell me about that in regards to Seattle and the the second in particular and the second well i mean we know the statistics around who's experiencing the criminal justice system and it's black and brown people we've criminalized black and brown bodies in this country and where do we start more police um, right (laughs) well expanded police powers so no but i think what's more appropriate would be police that are uh, connected to their communities and know people in the communities i mean this is old school stuff i'm not bringing anything new to the you know, what I think, I mean, there's an affordability issue, number one. I mean, to live in the city is freaking expensive. Yeah. And police aren't paid to live in the city. So a lot of our police live outside of the city. They come in, they're not connected to the communities that they serve because they don't live there. I think some are. I mean, I'm making a general broad statement, but I think more connection to the communities and shop owners, having more cops that are on a, a regular beat, like the old school days. I think would make a lot of sense, but that's, that's one piece. Um, there's a, the other idea of like, you know, there's a, the thin blue line or maybe it's mm-hmm. a big thick blue line. of Chubby you know, blue line. Yeah. Chubby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chubby. Come on. Um, dad bod. Um, um, so what, like, the, what the viewer or what the listeners can't un- hear or understand is that this is a room of four incredibly svelte guys. <laughs> very skinny. Yeah. Uh, you know, each one of us is nicknamed Flacco. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Just a wave. So we have to be inside because we would blow away. <laughs> hey, I'm going to decolonize my weight. So. 
yeah. My sister told me to. I told her, like, decolonize it. Like, just get rid of that. Like, because we were kings. I'm like, we were kings when we had bodies like this. Yeah, so, I was um, like, I don't think she's ever seen a king's yeah. body before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're working. Uh, it's less Westeros. Only Colin, Brian and I are on a program um, to achieve... Uh, the disease of kings. We're working on our work. Gout, gout pledge gout. 2019. Oh, yeah, Cheers. To your gout. Yeah. <laughs> Getting Bobby Hill sickness. <laughs> We've digressed. Oh, <laughs> immensely. But anyways, a restorative justice. Restorative justice. Yeah. Um, yeah so um, I was talking Thin Blue Line. We got to Chubby. Yeah. That's how yeah. we got there. So yeah. um, I'm not in depth in the knowledge of the police department or policing. I know that post-Ferguson, um, and as we saw a lot of um, high-profile cases of black men being shot by police, you know, for every reason in the book, um, smiling at someone. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's it's that egregious, right? So, really um, my best friend in high school, uh, he's a police officer in Green Bay, and, and I have not talked to him since Ferguson because of my stance that, you know, Black Lives Matter, and that... Um, saying to then Ed Mary Murray that, man, we got to declare it, Black Lives Matter. We have to do something and, mm -hmm. and get serious about um, our own police force before we start grieving other cities and their police departments. We got to look at ours as well and the dirty laundry that we have and mm -hmm. look for more equitable um, outcomes that we want to see. So unconscious bias training within the mm -hmm. police department, more connection to the city's racial justice initiative. And, and there is some connection. I think that getting that lens deeper into the police department and, and having Spog say, mm -hmm. we are about accountability, we're about... Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I'm just trying to create a vision of where, like, oh, sure, yeah, where yeah. I want it to be. Like, and, yeah. and, and I think those would be uh, indicators that we're on the right path. Yeah. But as long as we're putting up police towers at Safeway on Rainier, yeah. Um, yeah. you know... I mean, we're going the opposite direction. I mean, yeah. we're we're continuing to to use intimidation and the easiest way possible, and that's again that stick that you mentioned, like hitting people with it hard. And you know what? Uh, and this whole like the emphasis on police patrols, like mm -hmm. there's, I think the mayor even said like broken windows a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. 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 seriously, it's we bad. literally said like broken windows has proven to work. Yeah, well, then uh, we're going to engage in... No, it hasn't. Well, she also uh, said that we're engaging in clean and hold strategies. It was literally just Vietnam talk. I mean, like, this is fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, it and then... also never worked. Well, the other... The other challenge... neighborhoods Hamlets. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, you got to strategic, strategic Hamlets, you know? Oh, my yeah. God. Well, the other, the other um, telling part was saying the perceived criminal yeah. activity. Yeah. like The perceptions well, of fear. The yeah. perceptions of fear. Well, let me tell you about like real fear. Like let's let's address real violent crime. Mm -hmm. Let's address the drug trade, which I'm I'm mm -hmm. you know, I was actually happy to see that we we busted a large drug mm -hmm. uh, uh ring or whatever. Ring, you yes, thank you. Sure. Um like that's that's where we need to go and like making sure that we're getting those things off the street, but then at the same time like we have to be addressing poverty and looking at why mm -hmm. Why? That's the, our only option. Like, if I got to keep a roof over my head and I got to eat, like, I'll do whatever sure. I have to. If I got a family to feed or whatever, like, like until we address income inequity, um, until we address, like, bringing jobs and investment into our mm -hmm. district, like, we're not going to be... It's These are all symptoms of that massive systemic oppression that, that we're yeah. talking about. I mean... Yeah, people who get locked out of the formal economy yeah. are going to go into the yeah, informal yeah, economy. Yeah. yeah, And there's a reason, you know, why decriminalizing marijuana was great, but then now you, you look at that 
too. Like we have, we haven't decriminalized it for black and brown people. Yeah, decriminalized it for white people. Yeah. So yeah. now we create another economy uh, for white people too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. to make a hell of profit off of. But we haven't decriminalized. I mean, we're getting there. Mm-hmm. We're but it's always an afterthought. Like, oh mm-hmm. shit, yeah, we forgot about the black and brown people. Like, well, and the decriminalization never came with the add-on of also we're going to let everybody that is in jail for this free. Yeah. We're going to yeah. expunge the records of everybody we've arrested. Well, and I don't know. Pay him restitution yeah, for doing this yeah, thing. Yeah, that we good luck with that. Criminal. But at least Mike, Mike O'Brien has said, like, I mean, his he was just saying this a few weeks ago, like yeah. talking about this exactly. Like, I mean, his argument was this: basically, because our initiative was one of the first in the country, mm-hmm. it was kind of stupid and sucks because it was yeah. basically like yeah. just get it on the yeah. board. But now what we have to do is everything you just said, which especially like. I mean, he is trying to argue to get to a point where no one has to do anything to get their marijuana convictions yep. vacated, but, yeah. like, literally is just an, a wipe off the board. Like, the city, at least, is working toward that. That's not ultimately, like... Yeah, yeah that's 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 good. Ultimately, but, they're mostly... We're talking about felony charges yeah. that are, you know, these are going to... This is a much higher level um, mm-hmm. thing, but... Yeah, that's the only thing that has to happen. I think part of the problem, and, and, and this makes it very real in regards to this election and, and why I'm going to tell my own horn why this lens though it's um it may sound radical to some i don't think it's that radical but um i think putting that 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 perspective of those most impacted up front versus like the low-hanging fruit like yeah mm-hmm. of course you know i'm gonna go off a tangent like the loudest voice in the room are white wealthy homeowners in driving how our public policy is made and well, we have if they race... weren't the loudest voices, they just wouldn't be heard, Chris. <laughs> no. Uh, oh my God. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> so so my work again to go with the analogy of like pulling those eyes yeah. open to see yeah. the evil is like showing white wealthy homeowners like, and I'm you all are not that bad, but like you know think about other people. It's beneficial that we look at a a, a collective liberation model mm-hmm. of how we undo these systems and guess what white, white wealthy homeowners you too will benefit from yeah, that yeah. but like the people that have not benefited from the current systems like we have to change those and yeah. radically change them and um and and we will all benefit from that even freaking microsoft and amazon will benefit from that change um and i think when it was less of this crisis of affordability uh you know 20 years ago even before that 30 years ago like when amazon and uh microsoft when they got their footing it was because of those there's a more egalitarian aspect of seattle at that point Mm -hmm. and we've forgotten that because they're so highfalutin into their little towers that they forgot those roots and i think we need to come back and say hey if you reinvest it'll be good for you like and it for you, a reinvestment wouldn't take a lot. Three hours of Bezos' time. So. Well, it's winning the battle that, uh, you know, a more uh, collective, all-in-it-together vision of society is uh, preferable to the war of all against all. Well, and, we're gonna, we're, I mean, that's <laughs> our time right now, isn't it? I mean, look at yeah. Trump. I mean, it's all about yeah. me. What do I mm-hmm. get? Like, how do I get the spotlight? And then how do I profit yeah. off of it? Yeah. Like. That if that's the only way that we can make any kind of like mm-hmm. uh, uh, living for ourselves mm-hmm. is predatorily off other people, yeah, yeah. then that's pretty fucked up. Like that's that's the essence of hell. Like you know, yeah, yeah. we need to be thinking. Like we go back to tribal societies, and they they we have to realize that our survival mm-hmm. 
period is based on everyone else's ability to thrive, right? And mm -hmm. we're going to get there sooner than later if we don't figure this out. Like, how come none of you guys are swearing? Like, yeah. we're like the only ones swearing oh. in the show. I feel like bad. <laughs> well, uh, I think we're all, like, somehow uh, switch in our brain. We're, like, on best behavior because we have company. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why we, that's why we took the plastic off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, hell, that's why we got clothes on. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah it's, it's genuinely too hot for clothes. Um, <laughs> there's a swim step. Yeah. Yeah, like, hey, we can all get into it. <laughs> <laughs> come back to my boat. We can swim in the marina. There's a swim step. Um, you don't. You might get electrocuted from the ground lines from all these boats, or like just get a disease from the like, canal. But uh, without, oh, also, there's risk, a sheen of there oil no on on the on any water in any marina. So. Uh, Greg, I grew up swimming on the Texas coast. I'm cool with the sheen of oil. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the... Houston, man. Houston. Yeah. Oh. So I, I don't know. I, I have a question yeah. back. Like, go ahead. Anything that I've said, like, is it sparking? Like, oh, we didn't realize we, you were that radical. Or, no. Like, okay, I was okay. like, I'm doing a time check. No, 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 know, no, like... no, no, not even remotely. Because like, so like, you're in an admirable quest to get on the city council which is an essentially a work-from-within-to-change-the-system kind of attitude. Yeah, You're so going to try and get in the years. system. I've been doing that for 12 years. We're podcasters on a boat. <laughs> but, but, like, what I was going to say is, you're in on the boat here with Who's Brian Black, who, on the subject <laughs> of American policing, is yeah. one of the American left's most prominent cranks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yeah, no, no, you haven't scared us off of uh, anything. And I, I probably didn't talk enough about, like, uh, you know, restorative justice. I mean, we're, mm. we're uh, no youth jail. I mean, that could be yes. used for uh, other... I mean, I think it's super like what? white and ironic and like just disconnected from reality like we're gonna turn it into like a family center like and yeah. and prison your kids like yeah, yeah. yay that is, like, that is so fucking Seattle are, are well it's, it's gonna be like one of those condos where the jail is at the top and the family center is like the storefronts <laughs> at the bottom but but the thing is like with Starbucks yeah exactly oh, oh, well yeah. naturally probably no, but with that, a roaster but, but this is the Seattle thing of like the rest of the country would not need to bother with that level of insane horseshit. <laughs> but in this town, for this reactionary shit, the idea that we put any kids in yeah, fucking jail absolutely. or prison is fucking insane yeah, and yeah. disgusting. Thank you for saying mm -hmm. fuck. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and this, oh my god, in this town, instead of just saying, well, they're criminals, you know, which is what everyone's really thinking. No, there's Seattle liberals who are like, well, that's really what's in the back of their head, but they, they find, they have to, because of the, our weird politics here, they have to come well, up with this yeah. these crazy things like that. Well, they like, need a dumb facade to yeah, hide yeah. their reactionary well, I tendencies. Think, I think they, Not they, even to hide better. it from themselves, too. Yeah, to hide yeah. it, oh, they, sure. Yeah. No, I think that's better because they're going, well, they did something wrong. They have to pay their debt to society. So I, but yeah. It's going to be a American nice liberalism is essentially well, very <laughs> cute. It's like that, summer camp. That 13-year-old has to be put in a cage. as possible. So my question to you, though, is... You say there's better things we could spend our money on, but what better thing is there to spend our money on than putting a 10-year-old inside a cage? Yeah, or putting um, them in solitary confinement. Um, maybe making sure that uh, Rainier Beach High School has more than $2,000 in their uh, PTA budget. I mean, and was I don't know what what's the other school in, in the north. I, I don't go north of downtown much anymore. Yeah. Um, so this is like, I should have brought my passport. Uh, um, yeah. Anyways, uh, here is, the close one is... Uh, 
Anyways, like, was, no, I Garfield, there was like almost three million dollars in one PCA well, Ballard, in, cool. up up in the North End, mm-hmm. and and Rainier Beach. It was on the the HBO special, yeah, right? mm-hmm. like, yeah, 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 like, and that's all tied. Oh, because yeah, uh, well, yeah, Jesse Gopi. Yeah, 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 so yeah, that's yeah. all tied to property tax, yeah. like how we yeah. um, we fund systems, which and, is amazing. Like that's a shitty system in general. In the country, but yeah. within a municipality, within yeah. the city itself, yeah. that it's literally based yeah. on the neighborhood, not yeah. not even just aggregated yeah. for the city. Like that'd be stupid anyway. Ba- but based on the neighborhood, get the kids have to apply to the high school. Right. But the and but the other part of it too is I was talking to a, a teacher earlier this week, and <clears> she was <throat> telling me that it's not just this property tax bullshit, but that yep. it's the money the parents in the district can raise. Yep. So yep. whether or not exactly your right. school has yep. like uh, uh, special education programs and things like that is fully determined on yep. whether you have wealthy parents with expendable income in your neighborhood. And time willing to, to like, spend money that on shit. It. Yeah, and willing you know? to spend money. And I mean, so, that is fucking crazy, so I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I, I uh, may be a little radical, but my, my experience with public school was, you know, Hey, Pagero. Oh, what, where's that from? Uh, are you Italian? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, we're going to put you in remedial reading and writing mm-hmm. class because you're not, because you're Mexican. Um, yeah, yeah. The other one was I got a D in a, a test in math class and mm-hmm. like I was struggling. I wanted to do better. I'm like, hey, teach. How can I do, how can I do better? Like, oh, but you're Mexican. This is like mm-hmm. right where you're supposed to be. Like, you're doing great. Like, yeah, yeah. keep it up, kid. Like, <laughs> Like, that was that was my experience in public school yeah, in thanks, Green Bay, teach. Wisconsin. Yeah, like, thanks, teach. Yeah, um, oh, and man. and as a little kid, like I that didn't I didn't know like what does that mean? Um, I I got a report. Yeah. Uh, there was a, on my report card. My parents went like and was pissed at the teacher and said, "Chris will not get by in good looks and charm alone." And I'm like, so first off, I mean. So this whole run for good city luck, council, man. I'm like, good hey, luck, though. Good luck, Charlie. Like, I, mean, I think you're looking at all the wrong parts. Of that. I think it sounds like that <laughs> report card put you on the path awesome. to where you are today. Like, you're like, I'm good looking and charming. I'm going to defy this big, good, this good awful looks teacher. And charm is ninety percent of the world. That's why we're broke. Like, good looks and charm will literally get you everywhere. That's I'm like, I'm like, mom, what does this mean? It's like, we're going to go talk to your teacher. <laughs> and they might like to get my dad off you know to yeah. go to school that was, that was something but uh yeah well that was like my experience like going yeah, to school like yeah. what the fuck anyways so yeah thanks teach <laughs> yeah, yeah just but out. that shit still happens like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah but on a different level or we're, we're calling it we're justifying it because oftentimes it's like if there's any difference we, we it's it's so easy to dehumanize and other folks if they don't look or act or speak or like you know, drive the same car. I mean, that's, those are all the basic things of, of like this disparity and how the systems work. And and until we humanize the homeless and mm-hmm. see ourselves within the homeless population in the city, or see all of ourselves like one or two paychecks or an emergency way, we're never going to really deal with it. Um, until we see black and brown kids in the South End, um, like as our own kids, every single one of us in the North End too sees that as like that. That's not just. That those are our kids too. Mm-hmm. Like we have a vested interest that all of our kids are succeeding in in this city. Then we're not going to address those issues. One thing that I w- I'd love to bring in is like if we had an Amazon or you know uh, a Microsoft that said, "Hey, we recognize the disparity in this community and 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 our impact on being here and what that has done and driving people away. We need to reinvest in in these communities and build programs." Uh, 
educational programs mm -hmm. so that you can also come work for us someday yeah, yeah. versus us importing all these people that do the work and add um, to um, the income disparity here. And, you know, I want to, I'd like to see something like that. I'm, I'm hopeful that we could do that. I, I want I want to believe that we can do that. And I want to find, you know, Salesforce was asking some of those questions in San Francisco. Like, you know, we see the benefit of us being part of the solutions versus only the driver of the problem. Where they misstepped recently was giving $30 million to study the problem of homelessness. Like, sure. We know where fucking homelessness comes from. Yeah. And the issue is like, no, let's reinvest it into the folks that are experiencing it versus another fucking study. Well, it sounds like the I, How many times have I sworn? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's fine. Look, okay. I say have darn it on here all the time. <laughs> so like, I say... You're from Texas, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck, dude! Come on. Uh, but anyways, uh, 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 yeah, and I think the uh, you know, I mean, look, this is the the good liberal kind of evasion. The conservative evasion is always just like the homeless are bugs and should be stomped on. The good liberal Ooh, evasion case, is let's just case. do another study, yeah. and as if the problem of homelessness isn't right there in the title, yeah. right? Like they're homeless. You know what would uh, make them? Yeah. Let's make them home full. Yeah. <laughs> but but the yeah. in the question of schools, I mean. It is truly astonishing that in Seattle and the state of Washington that we have these schools that are underfunded in yep. a state that is relatively incredibly wealthy. Yep. And um, and that has to do with things like uh, not being able to collect taxes. Yep. Uh, in, uh, income. Yeah, yeah. You know, you well, need an income tax. And then right? our sales yeah. taxes, you know, pretty it's astronomical. We have yeah. a completely yeah. regressive but, yeah. tax system, right? So only poor people pay. Yeah, only poor well, people listen, pay taxes. If America didn't have Washington State, what we would have is a massive problem with offshore seasteading. Okay, <laughs> this is this is a release valve that keeps, keeps millionaires and billionaire uh, libertarians from, to the ground. from filibustering their own like nations offshore. Okay, there's no need. There's just not enough of an incentive because we have Washington State. <laughs> I would so you you said libertarian, and I remember when that that like that switch hit in my mind, like because we had been arguing how liberal Seattle was forever, and like. Oh no, we're fucking libertarian, man. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. This town was founded by a bunch of hippies that then got old and got some money, and now they're libertarian. So they were like mm -hmm. smoking pot back in the '60s and '70s, and all about peace, love, and like co-ops. And then they got some cash, and they mm -hmm. got old, and like oh shit, this isn't gonna work. So, and their home value went up. And their home—that's what I'm saying. Like, that's where the cash came <laughs> yeah. in. So they turned libertarian. I think that's the other thing. Is like. Um, God, like I said, that that access to wealth and and whiteness and proximity to whiteness mm -hmm. becomes a huge blinder. Of course, libertarianism makes sense. I, I wanted to start a punk rock band called Ann Rand is Dead. <laughs> I, I thought it'd be kind of cool. Like, but they got to be. It's super, also informative. Super, right in the title. super queer <laughs> and, yeah, and black yeah. and brown, like yeah. punk rock band. Um, there you go. I, I have to sing. That that would be a wave of a new wave of punk that maybe. Maybe could have some value. Yeah, like, <laughs> what? I got a brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. heard it here first. Uh, Chris is no longer referencing to council. He is starting a band. <laughs> Which should be the most Pacific Northwest like transition to make. A long time also ago, twenty years ago, <laughs> yeah. thirty years ago. Yeah. Beacon Hill is going to be the, the yeah. new like the scene. It we'll is see. the scene, but don't tell anybody because we don't <laughs> like want anyone moving up there. Mm -hmm. nah. We don't want anyone up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, this how, white supremacist. That's, that's sort of the Seattle attitude in general, right? Yeah. Tell people the weather sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so the libertarian thing kind of reminds me of uh, you know, longtime listeners will understand. 
that I'm sort of the uh, the Sean Hannity to Greg and Collins, <laughs> Alan Combs. Yes. Uh, and so you're Texan. Yeah, and so when uh, when it, you know looking into your uh, uh, political platform and everything, these guys they're going on uh, CNN. They're going on uh, MSNBC. <laughs> Me, I go, I go straight to the the real news source, which is a certain Facebook page. <laughs> and you gotta, you're, uh, you're picking up your notes, okay? And I got some questions from. Hey, where's uh, where's from, the the light? I need the light. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I got some some real questions from the Safe Seattle uh, 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 Facebook page, uh, which is let's just say a little obsessed with you. <laughs> um, no one's ever been obsessed with me before uh, this. I, I, and to be clear, uh, you know, I, I asked them for questions, and all their questions came in the format of uh, statements, which is their <laughs> standard form. Uh, so I went ahead and made them questions. Um, <laughs> okay. So right off the bat, I mean, you're clearly a leftist, but the question is, are you part of the left establishment or part of the left, <laughs> or part of the establishment left. All right, and this is very important. I'm really confused. Yeah. Don't worry, everybody's part of both. <laughs> uh, well, uh, pretty far left, but established, I think I've been pushing against the established left a little bit. Mm, so, uh, mm. The established yeah. left, like uh, Jenny Durkin, noted socialist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and before that. Um, yeah. Mm, mm, and the, mm, you know, mm. the council in lockstep with Shamas Want, their leader. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Shamas <laughs> Want, famed, most popular uh, city council member uh, amongst the council and amongst the press. As the council votes do show and reflect. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, constantly she leads the vote, everybody else follows. So, you know, the other thing is... Look how serious he's gotten. Look, look, I'm here to ask the tough questions, all right? These guys just throwing up softballs. Yeah, the puff piece is over. Exactly, exactly. Now, this is, this is hardball right now. And, uh... Yeah, I can't remember my show he was on. Sean Hannity show. This is Sean Hannity. So, you know, look... Everyone knows and agrees there's exactly two oppressed and silenced classes in America. That is the police and white homeowners. What are you going to do to give them back their voice? Because right now, nobody's listening. Uh, okay, well, uh, God, that's a stumper. I, uh, what am I going to do? Huh. Oh, yes. There's a... Uh, hmm. I'm stumped. I have nothing to say to that. I have literally nothing to say to that. Well, owned oh, by logic. Owned by logic. So, look, guys, oh, I'm just bringing facts, reason, and logic. I'm having our time playing this role play thing. They haven't been good at role play. <laughs> uh, uh, he turned red yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> I start out pink, okay? Like. And, so, and I think it's worth going into, and, you know, look, uh, part of this show, one of the time-hearted traditions of the show is dunking on the absolute fucking galaxy brain morons that are at, over at Safe Seattle. Uh, which, I mean, it's amazing that you can have a, a page where you have to constantly tell your members... Hey, stop saying that you're going to kill homeless yeah. people because we're going to get banned. Don't say the quiet part loud. Yeah, don't it, say the common refrain yeah. on there from the mods is no 
Please don't stop airing your strategies for getting the homeless people killed by police by mm. saying to the 911 operator that they have a machine gun. Yeah. <laughs> or that you're having yeah. a heart attack or, yeah. 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 or any other like yeah. crazy shit. You know, and so, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, you know, I, uh, of course, just for my own safety and my family's safety, mm. I'm, I'm monitoring, but I'm not engaging because I don't want to give them legitimacy. I think there's like. Yeah a few pretty like very few lonely people that are just kind of in the basements kind of doing a lot of research i mean for god's sakes find something else to do with your life number one number two like (laughs) research um, should definitely be in quotations (laughs) (laughs) that's what no No, but i I think it's a voice it's Mm -hmm. a loud voice man i i believe in humanity so much more than than giving that that voice an opportunity to mm. to be the loudest voice, and so I'm not going to give it a voice, and that's that's why I chose not to do the. Uh, you know, yeah, no, they're yeah, different. Yeah. Oh, they're absolutely not different. Yeah, and, know, and we but, should not engage that uh, anyways, uh, lie um, in any way. So, but, yeah. Yeah. but my my point was, I'm you know I'm not a libertarian. Um, yeah. I libertarian in my life has never done me any good, and mm-hmm. the only um, you know I, I it just it's. I believe in, in, in good people, and, mm-hmm. and um, maybe that's my, my Midwestern, like, stupidity coming through. Like, I believe in humanity and, and that, you know, we have to come together and, and, and solve these issues, and that we all have, we all have to have skin in the game. And, um, and, and fear is a tactic. Um, uh, hatred is a tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I guess I don't want to give voice and time to that. And so yeah. they can... They can post stuff about me mm-hmm. and you know i had the opportunity you know i did a little bit of planning before announcing i was going to run but like mm-hmm. the the question from my husband and friends of mine mm-hmm. were like you need to clean up all the stuff that you've done in the past around race and social justice work and equity work and like using your facebook as a platform for for that mm-hmm. that work i'm like no that's my that's my legacy that's my work like yeah. i want my kids someday to read my facebook when i'm long gone and to say, you know, this is what our dad was about and what he believed in. <coughs> and I'm not going to scrub it because mm-hmm. of, you know, some hyperbole of, you know, like yeah. uh, conspiracy theory and all this other stuff. Like, that, mm-hmm. those are dead ends. So, like, um, i got to rise above that and, um, you know, look for real data-driven solutions. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, um, awesome. But... Our media loves to eat that shit up because mm. it, it it's dramatic and it pays mm. bills, but it, it is on the line of being a real hate group. Like, I think, yeah. you know, um, Southern Poverty, Poverty Law really needs to look at, you know, these types of trolling and um, that rhetoric that, that um, is, is really putting those folks that are most vulnerable already mm-hmm. in a dangerous, more dangerous place. Like, what the fuck is happened to us um mm-hmm. you know we we have to take care of each other and and so i i want to know like deeply what happened to you to go down this not you yeah but also me <laughs> to go down that yeah. path of that that much hatred is it is it is it connected to white supremacy is it connected yeah. to you know uh the 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 extreme radical right um mm. there's been so much trauma in our country in such a short amount of time during our lifetimes, you know, um, we talked earlier about, you know, before the show mm-hmm. started about 9-11 and kind of like those being informative to us. But that those things put us on this path of militarization with our police. It, it really 
put at stake and, and unveiled, um, you know, who has access to resources and who doesn't. And how do we, we make a, a boogeyman or a, um, um, can, you know, how do we maintain what we have? How do we build and continue to uh, get more? And, and the best way and easiest way, and I'm not, I'm not saying best like my mm -hmm. approach, is to create a, a, a straw man demon out here mm -hmm. um, that, that we can focus our attention on. So I can do all these like things back here that you're not going to see. Sure. Um, that, that, that is a real conspiracy. Like that's mm -hmm. really what's happening. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and undoing those pieces so that we all benefit and have a um, real access to a way to be successful and a way just to feed ourselves. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, there's, there's a reason why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won in Brooklyn. And, and that's because, again, New York is, is another city in extremes. Like, people just want to eat. People just want to live. People just want to have a family and be happy. Like, what the fuck is wrong with that? Like, mm -hmm. we, we have to recenter, like, how we can make more opportunities for people to experience that. Like, I, I had this vision as I was saying, oh, like, that, that 70s Coke uh, commercial, like, everyone, like, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, anyways, like, going back, like, man, my parents are hippies, so, like, you know, <laughs> I was I was a raver once, so, like, you know, like, we're going to solve the world, you know, all the problems through music and, like, dancing. Um, no, it, we need a little more than that, but, um, God, my campaign manager's going to, like, what are you talking about? And you're, we're, we're, Dropping you. Be like, ah, <laughs> you were right. Let's cut a commercial based on the real thing where <laughs> everyone's like, uh, you know, on a hilltop on Beacon Hill. Yeah. Oh, no, I just, I, there's, we have better ways of doing this. And, and I think city council and the city are one way of doing it. I've been doing it a long time already. And regardless of whether I get in this role or not, and, um, and my motivation is really taking the success that I've been able to do at the city and 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 the the my life experience at, as an kind of the informative path to um, to find solutions, um, but to bring that to our, city, our our district, which is really hurting from gentrification, displacement, and income disparity and racial disparity. Um, but also, like, how do we apply that throughout the rest of the city? I mean, that's my motivation. I, I don't want the spotlight. I, you guys are cool, like, and I, I'm, I'm comfortable here, but, like, I'm not comfortable interviewing. I, I'm not comfortable mm -hmm. debating. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable bringing it down to a soundbite where, you know, our normal system, that's how it works. Like, mm. uh, yeah. any of the debates, if you've watched any of the debates, yeah. like, you need to um, tell us about yourself in one minute. Sure. And then we're going to have six questions that you all are going to debate, and we're going to try to throw you, and you got 90 seconds, and then we're going to scream at you if you, if you go over time. Sure. And, and I'm t in King County Young Democrats, I'm talking to you guys, like, I'm a complex person. Um, we have complex issues in this city. We need complex solutions to those things. Um, and I can rattle off, like, all the bills that I know, all the initiatives that I know, but, like, I'm one person seeking an elected position, that needs to be grounded in community, and community needs to have the input on what those solutions are. Yeah. And it can't be just like my fucking head mm. because I might be smart or like, um, and I'm not super smart. Like I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but collectively we are. Like we have yeah. to have that collective approach. Yeah, and I mean, uh, first off, the fact that you can't boil down the entire complex history of American race, class, gender relations, and how that affects us today in one minute. 
is I mean I don't I don't disqualifying? understand that. disqualifying disqualifying yeah. on the but, other hand <laughs> I think it was really beautiful what you said about your yeah. kids reading your Facebook page and I can absolutely get behind the candidacy of someone whose tombstone will have a post on it yeah. <laughs> as as, dumb, as posters ourselves. <laughs> Well, and I think, too, it's important to remember on some level that Safe Seattle ran candidates in the last election. They all did incredibly badly. I don't know that they have an enormously popular base. Including too. Dave Preston ran for yeah. something, right? Well, and Harvey Lever ran as well. He was, their other, he was the guy who founded the page. and like, uh, But, yeah, it's... Uh, well, I don't know that they have this, like, mass base... No. But they do have financial support, and I yeah. think, and I think the support of the media, which goes beyond just the yeah. fact that they're yeah. like obviously they're offensive, so that it's something to put on TV. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I mean, look, you know, there's other offensive, weird niche groups that yeah. don't get on Seattle TV. They're sucks. offensive in a particular <laughs> way, right? Seattle this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could be putting Seattle socks on there. Good but, plug. Good plug. But they put you know, say, yeah, they put <laughs> Seattle on there because I think that it benefits certain interests, right? Well, yeah, who want to you know, 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 know eradicate the homeless or whatever, right? I, uh, I love the fact that they, they I saw one of the posts. So someone on my Facebook group is a is a total mole, and I'm like, and I haven't I have a couple ideas, yeah, and I have not. I've kept it open. Like, go ahead. Thanks, thanks for the free press. Um, I, I, think, I think their posts about you on Safe Seattle are more incriminating of Safe Seattle than yours. Than I you, mean, but, uh, they haven't said anything in a while, so that's fine. No. But after this show, they'll say a lot, um, <laughs> which is fine. But what I loved the oh, most God, was I hope uh, they're all listeners. Yeah, no kidding. They, uh, um, what do they call me? They, they, oh, I said I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna engage, and I was gonna like fight back. And like, oh, he's Gandhi. I'm like, gay Gandhi. Look, I got the fucking glasses. Like, there you go. But, you know, I don't want to appropriate any other culture than my own, but um, I'll be the gay Gandhi if you want. Like, that's that's no. cool. That's cool. No. Whatever. <laughs> that's only going to, uh, you know, one of their uh, current obsessions is trying to figure out what race you are, because they're, of course, a bunch of, like, skull measuring, <laughs> like, 18th century freaks, yeah. like race freaks. So the gay Gandhi thing's only going to throw them off that much more. Now they have a third option. Well, they're going to have to really contemplate. So here's the thing, though, like that—that that actually is an interesting piece. Like I'm Native American, Mexican, and we have, um, we have uh, European. Like I did the yeah, Tony sure. me. As as we've talked about uh, systemic racism, um, I benefit from whiteness because of my in, like. You can't determine like right off the bat. Like mm-hmm. uh, I've I've been all over the world, and wherever I go, like they're like, oh, you must be the indigenous person in this place, mm-hmm. um, which is like that's a great like. Thanks for saying that, uh-huh. but. The obvious thing or obvious answer is I'm not white. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried my whole life to be white, and it's mm-hmm. not working. So like, well, we talked yeah. earlier after uh, 9/11, right? Yeah. You got to have the uh, special privilege of stopping at every, every airport, airport security. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, well, you know, I had, a, I had a friend who was you know a Latina woman in, in Texas who went. To, uh, she took a trip to Italy and got yelled at by everybody in Italy because they thought she was Roma. And it really does show the both yeah. uh, flexibility and stupidity of race as like well, a, as it, some sort of like real concept. There's, yeah. a, there's another <laughs> another part to that, though, and that's yeah. colorism that we experience mm-hmm. within our own, our mm-hmm. own um, racial groups. And, and again, that's... Um, I think as, as we experience um, economic inequity and, and poverty, like... I think from my own experience, like the attachment of like that, my race and the darker that I am is, is a symptom of me not being prosperous, like, Mm -hmm. which is a reality, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was only after I had met my husband that I really got into, um, a lot of the, the racial work that I've been doing. I, and my sister said a long time ago, like, why do you always hang out with white guys? Like, they don't, they 
you know, someone walk around. I'm like, but I, I didn't understand. Yeah. Like, I didn't have the, yeah. the knowledge. It was so unconscious within my own self. Like, I didn't realize the racism that I held within mm -hmm. my own self. Like, the uh, unconscious um, homophobia, unconscious uh, uh, racism that I held within myself. And it, I, I, I thank the city for allowing me... Um, the ability to get deeply involved with the city's race and social justice initiative to deeply understand those pieces and unpack that for myself. I mean, so I benefit from my, not only my indeterminate race, um, even though I'm not white, but I also benefit from being married to a white man, having two white children. Like my, I will never have the, the talk with my children of what they need to do if they're pulled over. Like that's the reality that I face. But my, my kids need to know that reality for many of their friends, right? And, mm. and so it's so fucked up that, mm. you know, we have to continue that um, reality in this country and that so many people don't even understand it or know it or won't accept it or say that, you know, we've reached, it's post-Obama, like, you know, we're mm -hmm. in racial whatever. But, like, every day I could pick up the phone right now and just show you, like, how racism is playing out right now in real mm. time. Yeah. So, um you know, the, the hard part, too, is um, being a queer person of color, like, as you layer those um, oppressions on, um, those impacts are also... Um, yeah. Additive. Well, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, in the sense that, hey, uh, maybe uh, somebody's cool with you racially, but hates you for another reason. Yeah. So it's just like another, yeah, another little well, uh, add-on that they can have, like, a, like really? shitty fucking attitude about. Yeah, yeah. but, like, the, the hard part is, like, you know, my... my I can only speak for myself. Like, I, I'm out to everybody in the city, so I could never do mm -hmm. this. Like, here in Seattle, like, not be gay, but, like, mm -hmm. I'm cisgender, so that means, like, I, I fit my mm -hmm. biological body and in in what's in my head. And so, for a long time, part of me, I would have to come out all the time to everybody because, like, they didn't mm -hmm. know. Or, like, someone would hit on me. I'm like, sorry, I don't like uh -huh. girls. I like guys. Like, oh, what? Like, you're uh -huh. gay? Like, that, that conversation... But every day I wake up and I'm not white. Yeah. And, and so the systems themselves, as I walk through downtown Seattle, like I, my experience is not a, is not a white experience. It's it's a person of color or indeterminate mm. experience. Well, there's no anyway, closet for being, you know? There's no yeah, closet yeah, for yeah, being yeah. Uh, not white, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and then in our country, the anti-blackness is so embedded into our culture that the darker you are, the, mm -hmm. the more severe your experience with racism is or potential to experience mm -hmm. it. So I think um, as as a Latino indigenous person, um, we have to be real in regards to how our communities hold anti-blackness and, and mm -hmm. hold that up front and, and reverse that. And again, move towards collective liberation that um, that none of us can be oppressed and, and, and you know, uh, anyone of color or of an oppressed background, we cannot experience freedom or liberation until we're all free. I mean, these are like tenets of like mm -hmm. civil rights movement, like mm -hmm. deep down, like, you know, um, so like, we have to remember those things. And, you know, I, I think um, we were deliberate in launching our campaign on MLK Day because of, of that work and, and my commitment to the work mm -hmm. uh, around civil rights and race social justice. And I'm sure, you know, I, I don't know all the answers. I, I'm still learning a lot. Um, and um, so I, I don't, you know, profess in everything, but, um, and I, you know, so I'm sorry if I've offended anyone in my lens and know that it needs work. So. Well, the only thing you've offended podcast listeners on is professing not to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows people on podcasts know everything. You know, and as a politician, that's a big risk. 
to say that you don't know everything. Um, uh, uh, I think we've covered an stop, enormous amount stop, of ground. Come on more. I'm like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm learning to be a politician. We want to talk forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're pretty good at it. Well, yeah. We're going to give you your promotional corner. Everything's a corner in this podcast. You know, this oh, Greg's, yeah. Greg's rant corner. Well, we are sitting in a square, so yeah. that's convenient, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, well, is there anything else you want to shout out again? Obviously, like, again, you're running in the second. Yep. Send those democracy yep. vouchers. Yep. Which you can um, do until August, the primary, no, right? No, um, you can do it after, well, I, that's a great okay. question. Right. Somebody look that up. Me. Somebody online look that up. Uh, Ice <laughs> Man doesn't know everything. <laughs> I thought um, we could continue after the uh, primary, so you could save them for the the folks that made it to the general. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a great. We got a computer right here. Look at that. Yeah, um, yeah. May thirty first, twenty nineteen. Oh, to decide to participate. To decide. Yeah. Okay. So I think so you basically, can use them through. But. Yeah, get your democracy voucher. Look on the back. I'm sure it has an expiration. Um, well, is there anything else you want to plug then, or just a final, like a closing shout out to our listeners about your campaign? Uh, please go to uh, district24pagero.com. I'll spell Pagero, mm -hmm. um, and I'm saying it the white way, not the right way. Mm -hmm. My last name. Sir. Hey, boom! Don't boom me. <laughs> don't boom me. What are you booming? Uh, How do you say my last name? Huh? Yeah. It's Pagero. Oh, but, yeah. No, no. But, but I've been assimilated, so uh, yeah, yeah. that was been my experience. But, um... Pagero, P E G U E R O, uh, yeah. District Two for Pagero. In number uh, four, com. right? Or F O R. No, uh, District F O R. Number two, F O R. Okay. Pagero. We'll, we'll put a link in our show notes. R two D two. Just to make this as complicated as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll X out my yeah. comment about the number. Yeah. Anybody who listens to the show will uh, receive a carrier. Pigeon note that has a <laughs> handwritten URL. Uh, Probably affixed, correct. Affixed to the pigeon's potentially foot. typoed. No, mm -hmm. no I I, uh, I would really like feedback too. If you, if you go to our website and check out our platform, um, it's a skeleton and it's meant to be a skeleton. But we we do want to make some real commitments to our district and what we want to bring. But it's incomplete without um, building a grassroots campaign, and I think that's that's really important. But we we do want to do some specific things. Um, so go there, check it out. You know, if I offended you or you liked something I said on this podcast, I want to hear from you too. We, I need help door knocking and getting our, our, our folks moving forward. So um, we want to reach out to uh, constituents that are going to be in the district. So come out and volunteer with us. Host a, host a party at your house. Bring me over. I make a mean paella and I'll... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh my God, I didn't bring it either. You... you. You make you would have made paella if no 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 that's that's the next podcast that's the next podcast that's the that, 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 hook that's hook that's hook I don't know pan I mean wait, wait. would it would you your like paella pan cheap? fit on my barbecue it's on the back probably there burn your you burn your boats so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come over to our house we'll, we'll make paella but uh, um, awesome. I do brew beer too that's how oh, I got nice. this this awesome mm -hmm. dad bod um, oh, nice. nice so yeah so paella and oh. beer but we could do that in the next podcast well. Just know that podcast is like vampires. Once you invite them, yeah, you know, yeah. essentially are a pest. So, <laughs> so there's a there's a union of, of podcasters too, and they're like, not everyone knows, so now I'll be getting calls left and right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feed me. <laughs> they're all hungry. Well, along those lines, I wanted to plug your interview on Talk to Seattle with Jason Rigdon. 
because we. I didn't swear as much there. You didn't. He's he runs a very tight ship. He does. Yeah, yeah, uh, ironically, not on a ship. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's weird. Uh, which is funny because when you see his Alex Zimmerman interview, it just before the title, it's just like warning. Uh, I expl- saw that. Like, I saw expletives, that. but none I of his other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he's it's a, a family friendly he's, podcast. Yeah, it, uh, great podcast. He's interviewing everyone who's running or trying to. Um, and he had you on, Christopher, and uh, it's a good interview. It's a very, it's a much more rigorous and thorough uh, interview <laughs> than this sort of was. Um, so check that out if you liked uh, listening to Christopher. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm really glad you could make it, and we could make it happen. And yeah, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, I will. I will. I will. Good luck out there. Sue yeah. you if this is the reason why I don't win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Get, just get the lawsuit together. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have a lot to take. Maybe Greg's yeah. boat. I don't know. But no. uh, always one. No, no, you can't take this. I live on it. All right. <laughs> I, am, I am, and I have. I have. Let me just say, I have, over the last few months, on the phone with multiple people insisted to them that I am legally uncollectible and so that they shouldn't bother. And honestly, you know, sometimes it works. So, um, okay, well, yeah, yeah. That, you yeah. can't hit on run unless you swing the bat. But uh, we have one new Patreon subscriber before we go that uh, we'd like Woo! to thank. Justin Roll, you pushed this over. Um, it's a milestone for us. We're over $100 hundred dollars. hundred a month? That's, that's a lot. Um, I think in a couple months we'll be able to buy microphones for everybody. And it won't just me sounding like I'm 40 feet away and Greg and Brian uh, have their mouths around the microphone. (laughs) To be fair, that's exactly how we record those. That's why it sounds like that. So look look forward to that possibility. And if you want to be cool like Justin or other patrons, hear our bonus episodes, you can find us on Patreon. So thank you again, Christopher. Thank you. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. Until next time. New York, you're safer and you're wasting my time. Records all show you were filthy but fine. But they shuttered your stores when you opened the doors to the cops who were bored once they'd run out of crime. New York, you're perfect, oh please don't change a thing. Your mild billionaire mayor's now convinced he's a king And so the boring collect I mean all disrespect In the neighborhood bars I'd once dreamt I would drink